All right, so welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. Man, we got more Social Proof. You know Social Proof is like the example that someone sets, not through theory, not through master classes where that person teaching has no idea what they're talking about but because they read a book or they were in a master class themselves, they figured they can do it themselves. No, we have real Social Proof, real people that do real things. And now today we have George Akapong. I My said man. that right, right? Close. Akapong. Don't Ash- tell me. H A Chapon. At I, I was mad close. He was, he was close. Ash- I, I, I doubt all of those pronunciations. <laughs> right. I've heard them all, you know what I'm saying? It's a really dope name, too, and it's unique. How do you yeah. spell it? Spell it for the people. A-C-H-E-A-M-P-O-N-G. I knew you were going to make money. His name starts with A-C-H. <laughs> Y'all you know, know what's going you on know, I never thought I'm going to use that. Yo, I'm gonna, I've never thought about that. I'm going to use that. Money is my man's name. So, yeah. um, one, George is a financial advisor um, and really leading the charge for the average American and really the average African-American yep. who wants to really take their financial future to another level. So I guess I'll let you kind of uh, introduce yourself. Yeah. So thanks you for having me on the show. You know, we got a chance to bowl last night. You know, I'll let you, you want to talk about that. You know, you want to talk about well, it right let's, now? Let's stay focused. All right. You know? So now nah, let me tell the story. OK, so I'm sitting next to George, right? He came he came like a little later than we were there. So like we're bowling or whatever. And so they I had see a warm, him, So they had a warm up opportunity. All right. Okay. Let me let me finish my version of the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ahead, <laughs> That's how you know when they start like you know you be telling the story and they want to jump in. So I'm sitting like I just noticed the way he's looking. He's like he's analyzing. I'm like this guy must be a bowler, right? So I'm like, yo, George, you bowl? He's like, I ain't a pro or nothing, but you know I I do my thing. I was like, oh, so you're not like like pro level, but like you're nice, like amongst average people. You're like, yeah, you know. Which I technically like, still holds true. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? So I he's like, no, no, because I'm gonna tell you why not. So he's like, um, I like, so what do you, you know, what's your bowling number? He said it's about a 170. I, you know, average about a 170. I'm like, that's crazy, because my last game, my, I, my my game that I was so proud about, I had 103, right? So George gets up, it's his turn to bowl. And his first, and I think he did all right. He had like, a, he, he like nodded him, joint, and his form was crazy. He was like, like the real structure form. He got low with the, when the release. Yo, about six frames in, my man is at like a 50. Nah, it, yes. wasn't, a 50. it wasn't a 50. It wasn't a 50. You were at 51 on the six frame. Now, my other the points game. didn't even add. I had, had, I got a strike before that frame that you're talking about. But anyways, more the story is, I didn't have my best bowl game, but I still beat you. It wasn't 170, though, fam. It wasn't 170. And event, you know how people are like, well, I ain't. If you didn't say that, if you didn't be like, I ain't no pro or nothing, but if, if you ain't say that, I'd be like, oh, all right, well, you just bowling. I had off game. You stuttered a little bit. I had off game. I did. Anyway, we went Anyways. bowling last night, OK? It was and, fun. Uh, you, beat, you didn't beat me by much. And I'm an amateur. And the guy that bowls less than me, he beat you. Because I was busy entertaining you, talking, talking junk. Anyway, more negative stories. energy around my. You, you know every time saying? I bowl, everybody's judging me because I'm putting everybody's failures on Instagram. So uh, maybe we can jump into the interview. Yeah. <laughs> so I am a financial advisor, specifically like as of recent to entrepreneurs, but I'm a wealth equality advocate for all. So I've kind of set up my business model in three ways. You know, I realize that people fall into three categories. You have your, you know, your do-it-yourselfers, and those are people either one or two things. Either they're really smart they want to do it themselves or they just don't have maybe the financial means to hire somebody right so I have free content that people can consume it's actually valuable not just like silly content like content that they can consume if they're willing to invest with their time right 
And then we have a collaborator model, which is our, co our course, right, where people have to still do the work and go through the information, but we have live office hours so they can hop on, ask questions where they get stuck. And so that's for that person who, like, it, to your point, is the average American who just, African-American who wants to get started, doesn't necessarily want to hire somebody one-on-one, but they want, you know, that extra, you know, um, from just the free content and then want somebody along the way who can provide them some guidance, right? And then you have the delegators, and those are the folks, probably like yourself, like you're busy building multiple businesses, like you don't have the time to get your 10,000 hours in finance, right? It's like, hey, look, I need to know the foundation, but I want to stroke a check to have somebody who can kind of help me, you know, manage this for me, right? And so those are our three tiers, and those are represented, ac represented across three different verticals. So we have, again, our online platform, which is just free content. Then we have our course, which is through My Money EDU. And then we have our investment and financial planning firm, which is Capital Wise. Gotcha. That's dope, man. Yeah. So I really want to get into the, uh, you know, like your mission, right? Yeah. So there's a person watching this right now. They make about $30,000 a year, maybe $2,500 a month, and they yep. live check to check. Yep. Why? Why does In a general sense. Like, so this, this person, yep. why does someone who makes, let's say, 30, is it is it that you really can't necessarily survive off of $30,000 a year or is are a lot of our people making the same mistakes in your um, It's a combination experience. of both, right? Put it like this, when did you graduate college? I grad, um, I didn't, you know what I mean? But when, but shouting that out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Thanks, thanks My bad, when, 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 around what time were you, were you in college? Like, what, when would you have graduated? Like, so what year I was graduated that? high school 2000, one okay so i would have graduated 2005 six 2000 wait yeah 2005. yeah so right. I, I was in college about 2002 2003 right. took a little break doing some weird stuff yeah and i think i got out 2004. <laughs> gotta get into the weird stuff <laughs> but now nah, so around that time people you probably heard somebody say something like if you can get out of college get a good job make about 40 50 grand a year you'll be doing all right for yourself right mm -hmm. that narrative hasn't changed in 30 years so think about how cost of living and all these things have evolved over the past 30 years, but yet people are still graduating trying to get a forty dollars and $50,000 job, right? Now, granted, you can keep your lifestyle humble. There's a lot of stuff that you can do to survive, right, off of thirty k. but that's all you would be doing is surviving because, I mean, I remember when I was in college, I had a, a two-story townhouse my senior, senior year. I thought I was balling, by the way. It's like 900 bucks, right? You know what I'm saying? And now that same townhouse will probably be 1800 bucks. So it's harder and harder because wages are staying stagnant, right? But cost of living is steadily increasing. So there is that element of it. To your point though, it's also making a lot of the bad decisions. It's like getting, spending it before you get it, right? Not having that humble lifestyle and going out and just balling out or living beyond your means. And then now there's a big difference between life happening to you and it, you being a victim of your own circumstance, right? You know, some people always say, oh, something's always happening but you really made bad decisions that when life happened, because we know it inevitably will, when it happens, you weren't prepared for it. You know what I mean? One what of the are things, some examples of bad habits that you've seen over your career? Yeah, believe it or not, one of the biggest issue that I always see with my clients is food. Like they spend crazy amounts of money on food, right? It just adds up $5 here. I just, mind you, I just came in here with a $13. Oh, uh, that's the $13. Whole, whole Foods food breakfast, <laughs> right? But that's rare. I'm, I eat at home Monday through Friday if I'm, if I'm in town. Um, but yeah, food people just like they nickel and dime themselves into the poorhouse, right? Five dollars here, seven dollars there, eight dollars there. You know what's crazy? That even at the financial, um, you know, level that you're at, 
you still look at the $13 breakfast as a semi-bad decision. Absolutely. You feel me? That's interesting. I, I feel like I felt bad about that decision, but I'm out of town. Like, I, you know, it just didn't make sense. Kenny's eggs, I, I checked the date. I don't know about those eggs. So <laughs> I, felt, I felt a little iffy about those eggs. Kenny's so eggs were expired. He's still living like a bachelor. We got to get it right. But, um, but nah, so yeah, I, the, the small things, I'm telling you, that is transformative because here's how I look at it, right? Prime example. First, first tip, Acorns. Anybody ever heard of Acorns? You heard of Acorns? It's the investment. It's a little uh, investment app, right? All it does, you, you swipe your card at Starbucks for $4.30, right? $4.30 is going to round it up to the nearest dollar, invest 70 cents, right? You would think that wouldn't do anything, right? I test out everything. So I'm like the test dummy for my clients. I, there's not a financial app or anything I haven't used, right? So if you ever want to know something about some kind of app, ask me. So I tried out Acorns about two years ago. And same thing, just set it up to my variable spending account, which is my account that I use for everyday spending. And I think it was about 12 months in, I had like $1,800 on my acorns. Wow. But mind you, that's like off of 30 cents, 40 cents, 20 cents. Now I did add their little roundup, I mean, excuse me, their feature where you could add like $5, right, a week. It was just like a little small money, $5 a week on top of the roundups. But in a year's time, I got like 1800 bucks. Mm. So what I challenge people to do is to shift their paradigm about what they think can't have a positive impact. So a lot of times people, they don't save money because they say, well, I don't have a $200 to save, right? But they do have that 70 cents here, a dollar there to save, and it will add up the same way that your transactions add up for bad spending decisions. The same way you look at your bank account, man, how did I spend $600 on food this month? The same thing can happen for your saving and your investing goals if you just start small but nobody thinks that the small decisions will have an impact, yet they do the exact same thing when it comes to buying food or buying whatever else, right? Those small decisions have a, an impact. You know, it's Newton's third law of motion. Every action has an opposite but equal reaction, you know, at the end of the day. And I feel like if people just were consistent with making small positive actions, it will add up to the thing that they're trying to chase. Wow, right? that's deep. It's, it's so simple, but it's, a really profound concept because you really think about it we do spend a lot of money on food, food man. right food a is the first one food. food is the first what's one. what's the next you think i say the next one is um just like random shopping you know what i'm saying like not necessarily going out and like spending 500 at the mall but like you know just buying little odds and ends and not really tracking it because the one thing i've realized that really transforms a person's ability to budget or, ca or cash flow management is measuring you cannot improve what you don't measure it's the same thing in business you know this right like you can't say i want to have a a million dollar business and you don't understand the metrics of your business. Even thinking about that, everybody, I know you work with entrepreneurs, right? And everybody's probably their first goal was like, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. That was my first goal. I want to make a hundred thousand, right? But think about it. Like, you need, no, you don't want to make a hundred thousand. You want to make 273 a day. What can I do to make 273 a day? Right? And that's much more bite size. That's much more digestible. My, my product is a hundred and, and you know, 20 bucks. Oh shoot. I just got to sell like two, two, three products. And, now, if I do that every day on average, I'm going to make my, my million dollars, right? And so I'm going to see $100,000. And so people just have to make their goals bite-sized. Because when you can do that, it seems much more attainable, right? And it's much more achievable because you can see the steps. It's hard to see 100000 when you've never made twenty, right. right, in a business, right? But 273 I think we all can wrap our head around 273 right? right. right? Um, so I think that was a little bit of a tangent. But, like, just random shopping, you know, just buying stuff here and there, you know, just online, because it's so easy nowadays, Amazon. Like, my wife now, she orders our toilet paper. I'm like, wow, are we bougie now? Like, is, if, our, <laughs> if our toilet paper gets shipped to our house, does that make uh, us bougie? So, like, being mindful of those just little transactions, it's so easy now online. And it benefits us as entrepreneurs that it is easy, you know, one-click up sales and all that kind of stuff. But being mindful, like, if it's not 
like if it's not in your budget, like on Monday, what am I spending money on this week, right? Don't make that purchase if it's not on your game plan. People don't have a game plan for their money, so they, it's no wonder why it all just vanishes and goes up and thin it. They don't have a game plan. Right. The same way you set a schedule for your week, like Monday I'm going, I'm going to you know meet with Dave. Tuesday I got a couple meetings with clients. Wednesday, what you spending your money on on Monday? What you spending your money on on Tuesday? So that way, when that day comes, you can truly ask yourself, like, hey, is this in alignment with my game plan? Mm -hmm. You always have things that you have to deviate from. Life happens, which we can talk about um, a little bit more from my personal journey. But uh, you just have to have a game plan because when you have a game plan that you can measure your success by when it financially, you have a much better chance of winning. I, I like to put it in, uh, I call it the three A's. Articulate, align, accomplish, right? Articulate, align, accomplish. Yep. Got it. So like, in order for you to get anything that you want out of this world, you have to be able to say it and state it and see it clearly. Like, so if you want financial freedom, don't say I want financial freedom. Get specific about what it looks like for you. Financial freedom for me, now that I'm married and my, my wife is on my butt about us having kids soon, um, financial freedom for me is knowing that I can put a business infrastructure in place that allows me to actually enjoy my time with my family. That's not necessarily a specific dollar amount, but I know the certain things that I have to do and I can articulate what that lifestyle looks like. So if it involves travel, I can kind of quantify that. If it, if it requires me moving into a bigger place to accommodate the growth of my family, I can quantify that. So then you're able to reverse engineer and then align your actions with what you just clearly stated, right? Because then you can have that tough conversation on a daily basis. Does this action really align with what I said my, I want my life to look like? Like I, I read that thing every single day. I journal every night before I go to bed. And I read wow. that every day so that I can always be in alignment, right? Think about how easy it is to get out of alignment. We all drive, right? You're in a car, literally. You take your, your hands off the steering wheel for three, four seconds. Yeah. You're in another lane, right? It's the same thing with your money and your lifestyle. Like, you have to be aligned. You have to constantly recalibrate. Am I in the lane that I said I needed to be in to hit the goals that I need to hit to, for my family, right? And then that, I'm, that always brings me back. Because entrepreneurship, while I'm a financial advisor, is my main thing, like, I, like, I, love, I love it all, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people don't know, I have a media company that like we have like co contracts with um, like major corporations like Athletes Foot and stuff like that. I don't, I don't shoot, I don't know how to edit or hold a camera, but I know people that do, you know what I mean? So I can go in and close the deals and you know, whatever. So one of the things is even though I'm very ambitious, making sure that I reel it in so that an opportunity doesn't, uh, isn't dressed up as a distraction, you know what I mean? because I like doing a lot of things, but I gotta make sure that is this gonna give me the lifestyle alignment with the business ambition that I have? Because it's very easy to be very ambitious and want to take over the world, but if my wife isn't happy, then, I'm, then I've lost, right? And you, you know what I'm saying? So it's like making sure that that business ambition aligns with my lifestyle ambition. And my lifestyle ambition is to be able to have that time with my family, which is why investing is so powerful, right? right. My money's making money for me every single day because I know that that's something that I need to do even outside of the career path that I've chosen to give me that time. I can't, I don't wanna be Mark Zuckerberg, mm -hmm. right? Because that's not gonna give me the lifestyle alignment. Now from a legacy standpoint, I'm already doing the things I need to do to make sure that my family's gonna be in a good position, but I don't need to be Mark, right? right. I, I, I don't need that. I don't need right. to be Charles Schwab, right? They got a trillion dollars in assets. Give me, give me like a light one billion, you right. know what I'm saying? I don't need the trillion, you know what I'm saying? Just need a billion. Yeah, you, you, know? said, you said something really key too, man, that um, some 
distractions are dressed up like opportunity. A, mo a lot of them, especially at this stage, right now people come to you all the time. Dave, oh, Dave, bro. I got this idea. I no idea. Dave, I got this idea, right? And, it's some, and a lot of times I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to lie, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. But it's like, where's that going to, is that going to make me drift from my lane? You know yeah. what I mean? And the, one of the questions that I'm asking myself every day, and not out of vanity, but so that I can be in alignment, is what do I want to be most known for? Right, because especially in this era of social, it's like I, I do believe in being able to share what you're interested in and all that kind of stuff. But people who don't know you on an intimate level, it might be confusing, right? So they might not know t what to come to you for if you're not hyper focused. Like you do a really good job at this, right? Like I know you have a lot of personal interests probably outside of your main thing, but like what most of what you show is in alignment with like obviously what you want to be most known for. And so one of the questions I, I'm asking myself a lot nowadays is what do I want to be most known for? So that way I can ask myself if the actions and the content that I'm putting out, does it really align with that? You know, cause I like to get fresh too. Y'all see, y'all right. see the lifestyle pics, you know? <laughs> oh, no, so no. like, you know, it's like, I gotta, I'm like, but even that, like it's fun, but it's like, even now I'm gonna start reeling some of that in because like, I wanna, I got a limited, a finite amount of time to change the entire landscape of financial literacy for people of color, right? And so I gotta make sure that that above all is what I'm most known for. Gotcha. Um, I, I want to go into like your story on how you developed such a big mission, but I think uh, most people have their advice or whatever. Someone mm -hmm. might be, you know, super uh, financially literate, but they just love cars. Yeah. Right? So for you, what is like, what is your vice? What is your thing that you feel comfortable yeah, spending yeah. money on? You're like, yo, this is why I make it. Suits. Suits. Yeah, suits. I love, I love a tailored suit, man. Mm -hmm. But even that, I've, I've been able to find a way to uh, make it more cost effective. Shout out to Indochino. Um, but like, I love a, a good tailored suit, man. Mm -hmm. That, that in, a, in vacation. Mm -hmm. I, like, I'm, I'm a, I'll spend a little, a little bit of duckets on vacation. Right. You know what I'm saying? We're going to Jamaica in August. We're going to enjoy ourselves. Nice, right? nice. So nice. vacations, and, and, and I, I won't even, I will say travel because not even suits, my suits are like 300 bucks. So, mm -hmm. but even again, like to me, spending $300, I'm like, yo, like, that could be going somewhere else. Opportunity costs. Mm -hmm. I'm losing the returns, but I say. How I, do, you do, you, do you get custom, or you like get off the rack, then make it look custom? I used to do that. So now I do. Um, you ever heard of Indochino? Uh -uh. So it's a, it's a suit um, suit company. It's made to measure. So basically, you go in, pick out your fabric, uh, pick out your colors, all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and then they you know do the measurements for you, and they they ship it straight to you. Three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars. Three to four max. Mm -hmm. Oh, I ain't mad at that. Okay. Yeah, because I used to do Tom like I, like Tom James, but. It was like $1,100 for a suit. I was like, I'm out of that. Right. I can't, I can't. Even I, there's certain things that no matter how much, well, I say that now, but there's certain things right. no matter how much money I make, I just like, I can't see myself doing it. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, hold on. And do you own a little bit of Indochino? Just. I don't. I'm I working on the thing. Early in my yo, shout out Indochino. I'm like, yo, is that a plug? Nah, 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 nah not, not this company, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So I would say travel probably is the one thing I'm like, yeah, I'm going to spend some money on Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And I guess it's okay to, have certain things that like really make you happy because mm -hmm. if you're like workhorse like i work 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 make money save it all work 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 make money that process really never stops never stops you know what i'm saying like you'll just have a whole bunch of money and you'll be so afraid i like i used and i don't get into it anymore but i used to wear uh, i used to buy a lot of jordans yeah and i i would buy them but i never wear them because i liked them so much you know i liked them so up. much i bought them but I don't want to mess them up, so I keep them in my closet. Yeah. And I have, I, I probably have, I probably have maybe seven, eight pair of shoes mm -hmm. that I've had for like the last three, four years that mm. I've never worn. <laughs> I, I haven't even looked at them because I like them so much. You know what I mean? And that just, yeah, yeah. I'm almost, um, I'm almost uh, bound by 
the thing that I like. It's almost. It, it's uh, crazy. Now I get what you're saying. Now. I yeah. get what you're saying. Though you I can't even you. enjoy it. I know so, exactly what you mean. I yeah, I want. I want to get into your story um, on how you what you got on this financial journey. Like, did you yeah. come from money? Did you? Mm-hmm. How'd that work out? Yeah, I'm gonna give y'all. I'm gonna give y'all the full rundown. Um, and so I guess if I rewind a little bit to when I was a, a young, really young kid, I think we talked about it a little bit before we was on the podcast, like. Uh, my, you know, my, my, my dad was somewhat in my life, but he was in Ghana. My parents separated, so he wasn't here because he moved back after they separated. And um, so my mom was basically, for the most part, you know, a single parent. And so you know the hustle. You know, my story's not unique in that regard, but, you know, single mom, doing the best she could. And so I remember one Christmas, you know, I was feeling good. I was like, yeah, I think, you know, I can get my, my grazes right. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing the right things at home, doing my chores. So it was like February. I was like, Mom, I need a PlayStation. I want a PlayStation this year. Mm-hmm. She, she never said no. She's like, okay, all right, you know, we'll see, we'll see. Right. Because even as a parent, she's probably thinking, you know, that's, that's a lot of time. I might be able to make something happen, right? right. right? And you think, oh, I'm she thinking, just keeping it low. Yeah. She ain't trying to get too high. Exactly. I feel okay. you, mom. I feel you. <laughs> and so I kept, kept like, just subtle reminders, like, Mike, we still good for the PlayStation? You know what I'm saying? And so. Little drip campaign. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So it's a young man. Exactly. And so then um, it was like December, right? Christmas time. Gifts starting to roll around the tree. wasn't a lot of gifts, but I saw one, you know, it's kind of shaped the right way. I'm like, yo, that might be it. That might be it. And my mom was pretty early with the Christmas tree, and she keeps it up to like the middle of January. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're getting close. I'm like, yo, she did it. She got the PlayStation. So I remember like it was just that. I woke up super early on Christmas, and uh, I opened the box. It was a box of tube socks. You know, the tube socks, like the little lines at the top. You know what I'm saying? Not even really the cool ones, but like the ones, that, yeah, the, yeah. It was tube socks. I was hurt. You know, and back then you can't you can't wrap your head around the fact that you know she's struggling financially and she would have got it if she could. I'm just like, why didn't I get the PlayStation? Like I asked for it all year long. Um, and so at that point, something clicked for me. I was like, this, this there's a reason why this happened, and I'm guessing this have, have, has to do with money or finances. And so at that point, I just started to learn money. Like I started doing more chores from like uh, cutting grass, doing anything I could do to get money. And then I wouldn't spend it. I was like, I, cause I, obviously, if you don't have it, then you can't. This is a elementary school, right? If you don't have it, you can't get what you want. It was my mindset. And so I was very, very frugal in my early years of learning about money. And fast forward to high school, I got my first job, well, my second job. First job didn't last long. That's another story. Harris Teeter, he's a short version. I was at Harris Teeter. I went to the bathroom. Somebody had. What is Harris Teeter? Oh, gosh, you know, it's a grocery store in, um, in Charlotte. Bro, that's the, you know what Harris Teeter is? Y'all know? Why? It's only in Charlotte. Don't look at me what? crazy. You know, said there's one in the whole world. No, there's not. You, right? you never heard of Harris Teeter? There's plenty of Harris. No a, one knows what Harris Teeter is. It's, it's like a Kroger. Is that better for you? Publix, oh, okay, whatever. Okay, okay, cool, cool. The grocery store. The grocery store. And so I was working <laughs> as like a. Like I don't like I'm not in the know. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I thought it was everywhere. And so I was working there part time like a bagger something. A bagger slash everything. I went to the bathroom and somebody had an accident. Let's just say that somebody mm-hmm. had an accident. I walk out to the customer service desk, I'm like, yo, somebody, uh, you know, has, has some issues in the bathroom. Y'all might want to, you know, find a janitor so I can clean it up. They looked at each other and started laughing. Somebody came from behind the counter with a mop bucket and, um, and just handed it to me. I was like, you want me to go find the janitor? Like, <laughs> where is he? Is he in the back of the store? It's like, nah, that's, that's part of your job. I said, nah, no, it's not. <laughs> and so I le- literally walked out on the spot. Walked really? out on the spot, yeah. And I think, and that's another story for another day, but I've had a couple of situations like that which led me to realize I need to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, so um, I had a job at Lazy Boy. It was my second job, uh, working in the warehouse, you know, with the furniture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was making like $6.25 an hour. Back then, I didn't have no bills. That $6.25 an hour was hitting. Mm-hmm. 
I got like 128 bucks every two weeks. And enough it was to a, get fresh. Enough to get fresh. There's a TJ Maxx right next door. Mm -hmm. So I would go get for it. Back then I was wearing Jabot pants with the straps. Ooh, size the straps. like 36 for no, 38 for no reason. <laughs> um, and then so, so one week I would get the outfit and then next week I would get the shoes. Mm. So back then my shoes were like Hirachis, Forces, whatever. And, um, but because I finally had money to be able to spend on what I wanted, I would spend everything. Because I, I was like, you know what I'm saying? I want, I, want, I want what I want. So I went from being super frugal to like, I got it and I'm going to spend every penny. I'm still living at home. I'm in high school, mm -hmm. right? My mom can still give me lunch money. So I remember like doing that for about two months. And then one Monday morning, I asked my mom for lunch money. And she's like, did you just get paid? And I was like, yeah, but you know, it's kind of what I got you for. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I went to school without lunch money that day. She wanted, she wanted to teach me a lesson. You know, so I had to bum off fries. Fresh off my and hungry. Fresh and hungry. <laughs> so then I learned early on, I was like, okay, it's okay to spend it, but not all of it, right? You know, you got to be, you got to be mindful of like taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of some of my early lessons with money. Um, and so then fast, that's high school. Fast forward to uh, junior year of college. My mom, my mom was about to get remarried. And she knows that I've always, for the most part, been pretty good with money. She's like, hey, you know, me and my, my new husband-to-be are going to be merging our finances and can you kind of help us out with You were good with money? How did you, you develop that from being like fresh and hungry to like- <laughs> Well, the, remember the first part when I was super young, like yeah. I was, you know, doing odd jobs, cutting grass. I didn't maybe elaborate on that. And like, I was, so good, great question. So I had family members when I was in elementary school that would borrow money from me because I always had money. I did that too, because, uh, well, they just never paid it back. See, I knew about interest. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know about the term what? interest. But I was like, hey, look, if I give it to you, I just need a little, a little more back, you know what I'm saying? Then I, then I gave it to you. That's mm -hmm. only right. And so, but yeah, so my family members would borrow money from me when I'm in elementary school. So I went from that to a little very quick stint of balling out and then went back to like, okay, the balance of you can enjoy life, but you got to be mindful of how you spend, mm -hmm. right? And so she knew that because enough time had passed from that little stint in high school where she knew like George is a responsible guy when it comes to money. Did you develop that? I mean, did, did you have, was it a conversation? Was it a book you read? Like, how did you I'm gonna develop be honest, that? I'm going to be honest. I've read a lot of books um, since then, but honestly, at that phase, it was just life circumstance. I, I saw, I started to wrap my head around that the certain things that we were going through was a result of lack of financial resources, mm -hmm. right? I just kind of, and I was just was able to put two and two together. I didn't, early on, there wasn't any formal training, a book or a mentor. It just, it just made sense to me. It was like, all right, we wanted this. We couldn't do it. There was a reason why we couldn't do it. Oh, the reason was money. Okay, so now I got to figure out money, right? And I got to, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's kind of how it happened. And then it evolved into like this evolution of me wanting to do it for a career and all that kind of stuff, right? Because gotcha. I didn't even have the desire to do it as a career. I just wanted to understand it. Gotcha. Um, I wish that message just uh, really resonates with somebody. If they're looking at their situation, it's because you have a lack of money and you have a lack of money for a reason. For a reason. And if you go back far enough, like I'm here because of this. Yep. Because I don't have any money. I don't have any money because of this. Yep. And if I look in my closet, oh, there's all my money. You know what? Right? I'm glad you brought that up. It's something I always say when I do like speaking engagements and stuff is say, you know, the cost, the value of anything is the amount of life you're willing to trade for it. Right? Say the, it one more time. The value of anything is the amount of life you're willing to trade for it, wow. right? So when I'm going and talking to like kids at a school, cause I really try to make it, you know, resonate with them cause they're a younger demographic. I'm like, yo, who got the J's? Who like J's or whatever the shoes are? How much do they cost? And they're like, oh, well, you know, 200, 220, whatever the case may be. I'm gonna give you a job. I'm, I'm gonna pay you $10 an hour, right? When you get paid, you, you could buy the J's. How much are they gonna cost you? And they think it's a trick question. I just told you 220. No, it's gonna cost you 22 hours of your life. 
Now, is, are those Jordans actually worth 22 hours of wow. your life, right? If you go in your closet and you did the math, if you spent a Saturday and just add it up roughly, like everything that you spent on those clothes, and if you were somehow able to quantify what you make per hour, whether you're a business owner, entrepreneur or not, like, and you did the math, would it be worth the amount of life that you traded for it, right? And so when I go through the budgeting process with my clients, we do a quantitative method and a qualitative. The quantitative is simple, right? We go, this is what you said you were supposed to spend, this is what you actually spent, this is the difference. The qualitative method is, does this spending align with what I say I value? If you go through each transaction, it's like, dang, like, that doesn't really align. I need to recalibrate. And if, and if it does align, is there a more cost-effective alternative? Mm. And so, you know, when you, when you look at things from that lens, it's like, it's a tough conversation. He's like, yeah, yeah, that, I probably shouldn't have spent that, right? And it's only so many times you can have those conversations with yourself, I would think, mm -hmm. before you're like, I gotta, I gotta change. I gotta do yeah. something better. Like, cause if not, like people, people kill me these days. It's like, I ain't gonna be like my mom. I could be like, not like disrespectfully, but like maybe their mom worked a traditional job or maybe they, you know, struggled, you know, in the later part of their life or whatever. And they just think that by happenstance, that won't be them. What are you doing that's so different that can guarantee that, right? You're literally, you're literally doing the same thing your mom or whoever, they just didn't have access to information. The difference is you have all of the access, right? All of the access, you just hop on Google, you know, go on Instagram, buy a course, like you have all the access to information and you're still not making the right decisions, right? So we just have to really have those conversations with ourselves. One of the things I always say is I like to, uh, I like to talk to myself and not listen to myself. Right, because you know we're all human, and the flesh is super weak. Right, like you want to sleep in, you want to hit the sleepers. Shout out sleepers for sucking. Sure, you want to sleep in, you know, you want to eat the unhealthy foods. You want to, you want to do whatever your body is craving. Right, and it's easy to give into that. Right, it's so easy to give into that. But when you talk to yourself, because you know what you want out of life, it's like, yeah, that's what you want right now, but that's not what you want most. And you got to do the same thing with your money. And I think if you can create that tangible vision for yourself then it's a little easier to stay the course, right? Because it is hard, right? Just like, you know, saving money, staying the course, knowing you want, your friends are doing this, you want to do that. But I tell my wife, like, we can't do what they do because they don't have what we want. Mm. We can't do what they do. Right? I got, you know, acquaintances where it's like, they can go out and eat, eat out all week long and do all this stuff. And then sometimes my wife, because she's the one that helps out with the cooking and stuff, she's like, well, I want to go out and eat on Wednesday. Mm. I'm like, well, you know, that would be nice. But we also couldn't do what, you know, is more in alignment with what our lifestyle looks like. And so nice. you have to always have that thing that your North Star, if you will, that you can go back to. It's like, you know what, this is why I'm making this decision. Because if you just go through the motions, it's going to be hard to continue to go through the motions. You got to know that this, is, uh, this aligns with this bigger vision. I you know like what I mean? That. So, all right, so I'm so we went on a whole nother route. Okay, so your mom's about to get married. Yep. And she said, yo, George, you're good with money. You understand this stuff. Exactly. So I'm working, I'm interning at Coca-Cola at the time. That's where I thought my career was going to go. Like, mm -hmm. I, I got my degree in marketing, so I'm like, yo, I'm going to be with Coke down in Atlanta. You know, so that's where I, I, was, that's where I thought I was going to go. And so I was interning one summer. I was like, cool, just give me your numbers, blah, blah, blah. Didn't have never put together a financial plan in my life. Mm -hmm. I was like, I got you. And so after work with Coke, and I was working crazy hours as an intern, you know, trying to pay my dues. Um, and then after work, I would use Coke resources to like, you know, computer, printer, and all that kind of stuff to put together this plan. And so Kenny, Kenny actually was interning or working with another financial services company at the time, because he has always kind of been in the financial services industry in, one, in some capacity or the other. Right. So I was like, hey bro, is this something like what y'all do at, you know, at, at y'all's company? He looked through, he's like, honestly, this, this is better than what we do. He's like, I don't, he said, you need to come and do what we do. He's like, this wow. is better than what we do. And he's working for like, you know, pretty top tier or at least interning from a pretty top tier company. I'm like, huh. But even at that moment, I'm like, I just, 
this is what I wanted to do. I just wanted to get good at money so I could help you know, my family, help myself, but I didn't want to do it as a career. And so I put together that plan for her, um, and then it worked. There, you know, her and my, my, my stepdad are, are still thriving. Um, and then that's kind of like, was, it was a seed that was sown, like maybe there's something more here. Um, and then I got kind of thrusted into it because, well, like I said, I graduated in 09, and the economy was, was terrible at the time. And so the job that I was supposed to have with Coke, they did away with the whole department. And so I was like, uh, so I guess I better explore this economic side of things. And so then I hit Kenny up. I was like, hey, can you make an introduction, you know, with uh, your manager there? I'm like, I'm kind of, I want to explore, you know, this is a career path. And so, but now mind you, it wasn't a job though. It was 100% commission, everything. Wow. And so I'm 22, 23 at the time. And so I was like, bet. So I got the interview. In hindsight being 2020, the interview process was way too involved for me not to get no kind of salary. Like, they, they, set, they set it up really good. I felt like they was doing me a favor, right? right? So interviewed, three interviews, got the job, which was not a job, and uh, started out in this industry. And so because I had Kenny and a couple of other people, I was able to kind of use some of that um, guidance to have, have a jump start so I could overcome some of the hurdles that they had to overcome. Mm -hmm. So I had a really good start, you know, arguably. I had a really good start in the industry. Um, but again, it's, it was not a job. So in entrepreneurship, you got to keep your highs low and your lows high. So I remember I had one month, you got to, you know, keep putting it in perspective. Explain, explain that though, keep your highs low and your lows high. Yeah, so in entrepreneurship, you, you're you not going to make a set amount of money every single month, which is could be a good thing, right? Because that means your earning potential is uncapped. But also that means you can have a very rough month, mm -hmm. right? And so if you make, let's just say 10 grand one month, do not spend like you go, like you made 10 grand that month because it's not a guarantee that you're going to make 10 grand the yeah. next month, right? And so on top of that, um, I start in financial services was also like in the insurance industry. So my, my income was predicated upon somebody getting approved from a health perspective. So I'll start, I'm counting money because I closed the deal. But even once you close the deal, if they don't get approved from a health perspective or it takes longer, then your, your money's tied up or you might not get it. Right. And so, you know, I remember like getting a really big commission check. I'm young, I'm still young, like a couple years post-college, not even a couple years. I had to go to a bank to cash it because who the, the company like bank with like, you had to go there for whatever reason to cash your check. And so I had all this cash in my pocket, didn't get a chance to deposit it, drew, drove up to like this party in Greensboro. I went to college in UNCG and it still had some buddies up there. Was balling out, by, handing people hundreds, like, yo, go buy yourself a drink. You know what I'm saying? Put your bands on, you looking bad. You know what I'm saying? All that stuff. You know, go to the bank the next morning, like $1,000 down. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. 
It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Money's all crinkled up. Mm. Teller's looking at me like, where, where are you coming from? Right. Like, don't even worry about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I, I brought that up to say that in entrepreneurship, like it's easy to have like a good month, but it's also easy to have a really bad month. And so I remember having situations where like I spent, like I had it, even again, my, my journey is not linear. So I know you're thinking like this guy is saying he's good with money, but like in this phase of my life, being an entrepreneur, thinking that, all right, I'm going to make 10000 the next month, me spending a little bit of money to enjoy myself, um, isn't a bad deal, right. right? But I, I was a financial person, but not a, not an entrepreneur. I didn't understand that yet, right? right. I was just trying to learn how to be a better financial advisor. So I learned very quickly that you got to keep your highs low and your lows high. And so just to, I guess, reiterate that it means when you um, make a decent amount of money as an entrepreneur, make sure that you still keep yourself on like a salary, just like mm -hmm. you would if you were at a job, right? And inadvertently, right, if you have a slow month, if you do that, you can manage that accordingly because you didn't spend all your money when you had it. And right. so I was learning how to be an entrepreneur while I was learning to be a financial advisor, right? right? And so that was quite the journey because I think we talked about it a little bit um, before we got on the podcast because I felt like an imposter. I was like, here I am, a financial advisor, trying to build a financial advisory business, and I ain't really got no money like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. 
And so it was a challenge for me um, in that season because I felt like, you know, nowadays it's a little different. Everybody can be all vulnerable and transparent. Let me try to go to one of my clients and be like, yo, I ain't got no money, but I'm going to tell you how to invest right, yours, right? right? I, I couldn't do it. And so it really convicted me to make sure that I got this thing figured out. And then that was kind of how the evolution of like my, my, my journey in learning how to be good with money, gotcha. you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. What's, yeah. what's some of the, what is some of the biggest financial L's that you've taken? Man. So like, something that hit you hard. Like, bro. Oh my gosh. Murphy's law. What can happen will happen. So remember I told y'all I started out in the insurance side of financial services. One of the things with insurance is like you have the, these things called advances and chargebacks, mm -hmm. right? And so a person pays their insurance premium, like their first premium, but you'll get the commission for the entire year. Right. So I had this one deal, business owner dude, I closed, I think I got like eighteen thousand dollars and I was like twenty-four, right? <sighs> 18, like 18, I'm feeling, I'm feeling <laughs> good, right? And of course, again, that was in the early days, so I didn't, I didn't think that, oh, maybe I should make sure that I have this money on hand mm -hmm. incrementally so that if he does fall off, I still can, you know, right. absorb the blow. So it was one time when business was slow, again, ebbs and flows, business was slow. Then my, my guy charged back on me, I don't want this policy anymore. So he stopped paying, I think it was only like four months in. Mm -hmm. And so I owed the difference of what I had earned in commission back right. to the company, right? Which so had to be what, about $8,000? At least, or like that. right. Yeah. And so I, business was already slow. Now I had this charge back, and I'm like, how am I gonna pay my rent? I'm like, I'm not, anything that I do have coming through is gonna be small, and it's, and it's gonna get eaten up, because the way it works, it's not like you have the luxury of writing the check back to them when you can. Right as other money's coming in, if right. it comes so in. so you're negative 8,000. Yeah, just like, You put in a sale where you're supposed to get 1,000, that just means you're negative 7,000. Exactly. Yeah. So I was deep in the hole, right? Trying to figure out, how I was gonna pay my rent, like, and that was that was probably one of the biggest L's because again, on top of me having that chargeback, business was super slow. So I had really no money in savings. I'm trying to figure out how I make how I make things work. At this time, I had no other side hustles. This was the only thing I was doing, and so I was I was I thought about quitting. Wow. I thought I thought about quitting several times, like going to get a job. I'm just like this this ain't it. Mm -hmm. This this ain't it, man. Because I couldn't see a way out. I couldn't see a way out. Then I then. I was able to zoom out for a second, and I was like, all right, if I can just get, again, not figure out what's gonna happen next, next year or the end of the year, if I could just get past this moment. So I put all my energy into what can I do to get past this? So I was able to uh, broker a deal with the firm I was working with and say, hey, look, y'all know I'm good for it, because I was, I was a top performer. This was just a bad little season. I was like, y'all know I'm good for it. You know right. what I'm saying? So when these little commission checks come in, I need that, right? Yeah. So they let me, they let me get it. I was able to pay my rent, and then over over the course, I think 90 days, I was able to pay back uh, the $8,000. But I thought that was gonna put me out of the business at the time. Wow. I was like, it's $8,000 L, had no other way to make money, and I, I just didn't, didn't see a way out. Wow, wow. Yeah. But, right, what was your very first savings goal? Do you remember, like, I just wanna see it there, or do you save still? Yeah, I still save, but, well, not really. I say, I just make sure I have at least six to seven months of my actual living expenses. Then the rest of my money is operating capital for the business yeah. and the rest of my money is invested in various areas. Gotcha. But my first savings goal to answer your question, when I was, I, I, was, I would say like 10K. I was like, if I, could, if I could see that five figures there, I would feel pretty comfortable. That was my first gotcha. savings goal. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. What is, do you have a savings goal now? Like what is your big, like, I'll, I would accomplish it if I had this amount of money, liquid, cash. Yeah. Not you know, investments, nothing like right. that. You know what? I, it's just something about that that million dollar number, just chilling in the bank, you know, yeah. on ice. It's just something yeah. about that, right? Like, now granted, <laughs> I probably would wanna go ahead and move it in the market pretty quickly, but like, just seeing that, 
would just make me feel really good. So yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie, I still want that to happen. So I, was, I went to a school and I was talking to the kids and I said, if you have, if I gave you $500 right now, mm -hmm. what would you do with it, right? Yeah. You can imagine the answers, yo. I ain't gonna lie, I go get an outfit, <laughs> I, you know, put some of it away. And some, because they think that's the right answer is, I'll save it. And my question is, for what? Right. Like, do you just have it sit there? So let's kind of talk about savings yeah. strategy. Yep. What is your philosophy on saving money? Got you. Like just saving, putting it there. Right. So my philosophy is you need to have at least three to six months of your living expenses liquid, right? Just just sitting there because you want to be you need to be able to access when anything happens. However, to your point, you need to be very intentional about how you save, right? So I break up my accounts in like five ways, right? So and some of this is not all savings. I just want to break it up so it makes sense for you guys. One one account is variable spending, right? And I only put the amount of money again intentionally that I want to spend on things that vary. So food, gas, entertainment, whatever. It's like the new age envelope, system, right? I'm only putting that exact amount. So that way, it's almost impossible for me to overspend, and I have to stay more engaged. Uh, then I have my emergency reserves, and that's for like the non-revolving like stuff that can come up, like doctor bills insurance deductibles or just something you can't plan for, right? Just knowing that something's gonna come up but you don't know like what it is or how much it's gonna cost, I allocate a portion of my money for that, right? Then I have my um, major, expense, major expenses. So like if I know in 2019 I'm going on two international trips, I know that you know we're getting a new house or whatever those things are, again, at the beginning of the year I'm setting those intentions, that way I know how much I need to allocate for that. Right. The other thing that tells you is it actually tells you what you can do. Because some people are like, I'm going to Egypt this year. What money? <laughs> right, you're gonna be robbing Peter to pay Paul to do right. it, right? So then that way, when you can look out at the year, it's like you can actually be realistic with what you should be doing versus what are what are just your heart's desires, right? right. So my major expenses, um, and then of course the emergency emergency fund, like we talked about, and that's just truly like if I lose my primary source of income or a business for a business owner, if business is really slow, where am I drawing money from to be able to offset what I need to fund my lifestyle? For an everyday working person, it's just got laid off and I can't call up my leasing office or I can't call up the car company and say, hey, I ain't got it right now, mm -hmm. right? So just making sure I have the money to be able to account for those things in my transition. So that's how I look at savings. And once those things are fully funded, so to speak, I don't really put a much more money above and beyond that into those accounts because it can be doing other things for me, like working in the stock market or working in real estate or you know whatever the case may be. So it's not checking and savings. It's like, I got one checking, I got one savings. I save here, this is what I live off of. No, no, because it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not intentional. Here's, here's the way I look at it. If you were to look at your online banking right now from where we're about to be in June, mm -hmm. right? If you were to look at your online banking from the previous month, I guarantee the average person has anywhere from 30 to 80 transactions, right? Most of them is where just money's going out, right? Little stuff, food, gas, whatever, right? So you're psychologically conditioned to think that's how money works. It comes in, it has to go out. Right. So what I do is I try to play on how you already how your mind already functions. If we can set up all these different accounts where you, and you start to get trained that money also goes out for my peace of mind and whatever you decide to nickname your account. Cause I make my clients nickname their accounts. Money also goes out for my major expense fund. So then you're starting to basically associate the fact that every month I have this bill for peace of mind. Every month I have this bill for major expenses. Every month I have this bill for, because that's how your mind psychologically is already working, right? And so if I can leverage that to your benefit, people tend to have more success. Like I have clients from five, six years ago who have adopted that and it works tremendously. Even down to the point of nicknaming the account something that will be harder for you to withdraw from. Like who wants to take from their peace of mind?
nobody, right? If you're working, I know you coach a lot, ah, of, entre- a lot of entrepreneurs, like right? If you're working, like, if you taking money out of that account, out of that account to go splurge and buy something is, is taken away from your ability to do your passion full time, is it worth it? And so just make sure that you have those systems in place because that's all it is, is a small little system to remind you to make a better decision. I, I don't over romanticize the concept of a system. A system is anything that you put in place that increases the probability of your success. If you are one of those people, I saw that meme, um, how, how long does it take you to fold your clothes? It was like five to seven business days. <laughs> right, right. If, you, if, you're, <laughs> if you're one of those people, as soon as they get out the dry, dump them on the bed, right? I'm not, you might be like, some people might push them to the side or knock them on the floor, but it's going to increase the probability of your success if you're forced to face the thing you got to face, right? Or there's something that reminds you what you have to do. A lot of times people just don't have enough awareness of what they want to accomplish, and that's why they don't accomplish it, right? right? So it's like put these little systems in place that force you to be reminded of what you want most out of life. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So, well, so starting off, what are the, like, if someone's, okay, all they got is checking the savings, what do you advise them to do right now? All they got is checking the savings. First thing I advise you to do is if you don't have some kind of tool that, like, tracks all your transactions, go to your online banking, print it out last 60 days and I want you to go through every transaction I want you to come face to face with your spending habits and really see is it am I just not making enough money or are there some areas where I could really reel it in that's the first thing to do that's the defense of it right because and then once you do that you make those adjustments or decide what adjustments you can make you take immediate action on that next thing you do is you go put you, you play offense all right what do I have before you even think about a side hustle what do I have that I can get rid of that I can sell of that's of value to something else Get rid of it. Go in that closet like we talked about earlier. Go in that closet. You got some red bottoms that's on ice, and you got $300 in your account. It, 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 might, it might be a time where you might need to put those things on one of those. Apps, so many apps now where you can sell your stuff, right? Sell it, yeah. right? There's nothing more valuable than your people. I can guarantee you those red bottoms are not making you sleep better at night, yeah. right? But knowing that you got money in the bank and that, you know, say you're not stressed and not living check to check, you'll have a lot more peace of mind. So what can I get rid of? The next thing I would advise you to do is do I currently possess any skill set outside of my job if I have a job um, that I can maximize on that anybody would pay me for? And then I would go hire Dave. I would sign up for David's course. Sleepless Nights. This, this episode is sponsored by Sleepless <laughs> Nights Coaching Program. Right, or at least consumers <laughs> free, free game as much as you can until you can afford the course. Um, and First then, of all, it's only $47. It's only $47. Like a, a day. I'm on the call. I want to call every single morning. Oh, y'all got to sign Monday up for that. Monday through Friday. Y'all got to sign up for it's like that. It's a dollar something. Two parts. One, I really enjoy like empowering our people, and we're gonna get into your mission. Yeah. Uh, but two, I want to be the best coach as I can, and I know I have to do that through repetition. So I set it up for our coach every morning. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Um, and so I would figure out: Is there anything that I can do that I can make extra money? Just, just keep it real simple. Don't don't worry about LLC. I didn't have L, I didn't have any of that when I first started. I think it was like humbly speaking, like two years in, before like I was like, yo, I gotta be legit now. Like I gotta do something. Like. Just what can I do to make some money? Drive for a lift. Do something, right, to bring in more money. Humble yourself, right? Then, and it's probably one of the first steps, if you live by yourself, get a roommate. Yeah. That will immediately probably give the biggest boost to your cash flow. I don't care where you are in life. If you're single, get a roommate. I don't care. I don't care where you are because that will, that will, that's probably your biggest expense right now. Yeah. Get a roommate and then still that same money you were struggling to find a way to pay, now save that, stack that, invest that, do whatever you got to do because you already found a way to do it. So what I always tell people, the same way you find a way to finesse yourself into a lifestyle you don't, you're not even supposed to have, when you find an opportunity to be able to, you know, basically uh, unravel that, 
find a way to struggle to get what you want most out of life, right? So it's going to be hard to save that money that you were just paying in rent that you were barely able to pay, but you, you made it happen. Right. So struggle for yourself, struggle for your goals, you know what I mean? Wow. And that, that's, how I would, that's how I would approach it on a very practical level. Um, because if, when you're in survival mode, I feel like most people, they don't make the best decisions for themselves. They make the, the best decision for the circumstance they're in. So if you think about it, most people are in this ever state of like dealing with circumstance. So you got to get to a point in life where you can truly make decisions that are in, are in your best interest. Because when your decision is predicated upon, well, it's the best for, thing for me right now, or well, you know, this will allow me to pay my rent, and you're always in survival mode, there's a level that you haven't even tapped into that you don't realize because you're just treading water, right? Imagine when you're on the shore and you can actually have the clarity to think, but it's kind of hard to have the clarity to think when you're like worrying about drowning, right, right, you know what right. I mean? That's real. And so like if you can get to a place of just like clarity through not being in circumstance because you made the right decisions and sometimes the right decisions means sacrifice, right? Like I said, getting a roommate because you, you think you're too bougie. I hear, hear people say it all the time. Like I'm too, I'm too grown to be living with somebody. Well, you're too grown to be broke too. You know, so, so what you gonna do? You know, and just having that humility. Before I got married, um, I actually, I didn't have a roommate. Then I got a roommate, because me and my wife didn't live together before we got married. I got a roommate the year before I got married so I could stack extra money because I knew my wife was going to have, you know, a decent size wedding. That's what women, women like to do. That's what they're into. Um, and so I knew that. And so I humbled myself. I went from living by myself to finding someone, you know, that I could live with so I could save that money so that I didn't overextend myself. And that was just three and a half years ago. Wow. You know what I mean? And so you have to be willing to be humble. Like I tell people all the time, you might see the suits, whatever you think you, whatever perception you think you see of me without knowing me personally, I don't care about any of that above my peace of mind. If I had to trade it all in, if like I had to go back to grind mode and it's like, hey, look, in order for you to still do your business, this is what you got to take. This is what you got to do. My mom still lives in Charlotte. I'll call my mom. Hey, mom, I know you got the empty rooms. My sister's in. My sister got a house. You got a house. So what's up? You know, if I had to, I granted, you know, knock on wood, I believe I'm hopefully removed from that. But like, I don't care what other people think when it comes to my peace of mind. You know, let me ask you though, what is it? Are we good on time? Okay. What, when it comes to the perception and being able to obtain clients, right? Mm -hmm. That perception plays a part, right? You could be like, yo, um, you, you got a nice Rolex on, right? Yeah. You can say, okay, I'm not getting none of that. I'm not getting no Rolex. I'm not getting a nice car. I'm going to ride this, you know, 2000 Honda Civic because I'm saving money. But at what point do you have to step it up and create that perception for people? Because you as a financial advisor, I'm not going to lie, if you pull up in the 2000 <laughs> Honda Accord, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. it's paid off, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I feel comfortable investing my money with you. Right. Well, the thing is, I think it's about staying true to yourself. Because we live in this era where, like, you have a platform and you can truly attract the people. Like, you don't dress up a lot, right? Like, you are you, right? And that doesn't negate you from being able to do what you do. So in my, in my industry, I'm a financial advisor, so there's a maybe a different set of perception to it. But... Some of my stuff is loud. Financial advising is a conservative industry, right? And so for me, oh, I yeah, think... Yeah, for me, I don't have to do that. Huh? My joint's $47. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> man, take this T-shirt. Nah, <laughs> nah you're true, true. Um, so for me, it's, it's really about, like, if I, if I can't demonstrate through my actions and my content that, like, this is what I'm about, and on top of that, like, and just to go on a quick tangent, I don't believe in, like, the scarcity mindset in terms of, like, oh, I got to, like, you know, to your point, I got to, like, save every penny so that I can be super frugal. I think that you have to just have lifestyle alignment with what matters to you. And I think 
people can feel and sense that, right? And it's like, okay, well, if for him, maybe he doesn't drive the fanciest car, but them trips be lit, though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then that's the people I'm going to attract. Like, I want my clients to be people who I can also invite to my cookout. You know what I mean? And so I feel like through my actions, through my content, like that is going to tell enough of a story regardless of what it is. So I don't, to your point, I don't have a car. Mm-hmm. My, I bought my wife a new car last year, but I sold my, my BMW coupe because my office is two minutes away from my house, mm-hmm. right? If, if my clients feel some kind of way about that, then they're not my clients. Right. And so I think now more than ever, we're in, we're in an era where you can showcase and highlight who you truly are and that will allow you to attract the people that rock with you. And I, don't, I think that's transferable to any industry. I don't think it was always the case. I think seven years ago, to your point, like there, there's a certain element of packaging it together. And I felt that, which is why me being an entrepreneur in the financial advising space, it was like, man, it was hard to like be trying to build up my thing while I don't really have it. But now I have the ability to re- really just be myself and I can attract the people who resonate with that. You know what gotcha. I mean? Um, but I think does, it, was it play, does it play any part though? Like, do you consider, I, you know, I think this one will attract a certain certain, certain type of person. I don't. Anything I buy or do is for me, mm-hmm. 110%. I sold, I bought the BMW when I wanted it for me. I sold it because it didn't make any. I didn't need it anymore. Every, everything I do is for me, and I think that is the beauty of un- true entrepreneurship. Yeah. It's like make sure that whatever your industry is, that you can be you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I had to leave that firm that I was with because I wouldn't ultimately be able to be me. Melanin money wouldn't exist, which we'll probably get into. Like, I wanted to make sure that I could be me. And I think whatever the industry is, like you have to just find a way to articulate that in your own right. And you will, there's 7 billion people in the world. You don't need all of them, right? Yeah. You attract enough people that can see you for you and it resonates and rocks with them. Because there's some people might look at what I do, like might look at some of my suits and stuff like that. They might think I'm spending their money, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> might think, well, they look a little too fresh, you know all what I'm right. saying? So like, for me, it's like, just be you. And I know that sounds cliche and so simple, but like, if you can't, if you can't be you, then it's not, it's not sustainable. Yeah. Because being, putting on a front is exhausting. There's no future in front. Like, right. it's exhausting. I don't care. And if you're a really perceptive person, like I know you're probably perceptive too. Like, even the funny thing about social media is even what you show somebody something, even what you think you're showing me, I can still see through it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And so it's like, I don't, I don't get into that. Like, I just do me, and whoever I attract, I attract, and whoever I don't, I don't. Um, I obviously do believe in a level of intentionality about what you present and how you showcase it because of attention spans and people not knowing all the nuances of you, so I do agree there. But in terms of it being on a, from a perception standpoint, doing it for what I think it might attract, I, I just I don't really get into that. Gotcha. Anything I do is for me. Gotcha, gotcha. So I definitely want to get into uh, Melanin Money. Um, um, I really love what you're doing and the mission behind it. And I think that's why you got so many people like really rallying for it because you have a strong message. So uh, um, share with us what the Melanin Money is. Yeah, yeah. So Melanin Money is a, is a mission to help 100,000 people of color invest their first or next $1,000 in the stock market, uh, which will effectively create $100 million of new wealth um, in the African-American community. And so where this came from, um, to give you the quick backstory is, again, another sleepless for suckers moment. So I, a lot of people don't know this, but they probably know now if they follow me on social media. But in 2015, the year I got married, um, I had uh, got diagnosed with this benign tumor that was in my ninth vertebrae in my spine. And so I had had this extensive surgery. They had to remove it. I got, had to get metal rods and screws replaced from that part of my spine used to be. Had to relearn how to walk for the first part of 2016 crazy right and I couldn't sleep like so when I was at home recovering I couldn't sleep and I had two choices and in the beginning I chose the first one I was miserable and I was 
you know, sulking, why me, all that kind of stuff. Even though I was, I was very personally developed, you know, life really punched me in the mouth. You know, at a time when I, you know, I just got married, my wife had to like buy into her vows very early on. You know what I mean? Um, and so not to get into too many details, but like things that couples might not even experience at 60, we were doing in the first 90 days of our marriage, mm. right? In terms of like how she had to care for me, right? Um, and in that season, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't sleep. I was in so much pain and I literally couldn't lie flat because of my surgery. So I was in a recliner in the living room, just kind of looking up at the ceiling. And like for, that went on for like a few weeks and I was just like staring at the ceiling. And then at one point I was like, how can I get more out of this situation than it's taking from me, you know? And so that movement, the thought of that movement was born in those sleep, those nights where I could not sleep and I try to figure out and take my mind somewhere else. And I started thinking of ideas and like, what can I, how can I bounce back from this? How can I come back from this stronger um, than I, you know, than I went into it? And so that's where this, this movement was born. So I started brainstorming like, all right, what is this gonna look like? How, do, how am I gonna do it? Um, and so I thought of the idea in 2016 and then I launched it in 2017. Um, and the reason why I decided to do it is because being in this industry, um, there's not a lot of people that look like us. I think only 1% of advisors are CFPs, right? And now you have a lot of people who are financial educators who create content, CFP. certified financial planners. Yeah. You have a lot of people who create content and are, or maybe had an experience where they personally paid off a lot of debt and they're sharing with you how to do it. But there's not a lot of people who have like their credentials that actually help you invest, like can legitimately have an investment advisory platform. Like you can open up an account through my firm, right? And so I knew that I could bridge the gap between the middle-aged white man who nobody can resonate with right and the very practical financial educator who provides nuggets but it's like okay well what comes after that what comes after i pay off my you know credit card right what's next right and so i feel like i could bridge the gap of having that level of relatability but having the expertise and credentials of the person that they felt like they didn't have access to and so that's where melanin money became a sweet spot and so on top of that i was like all right well how can i create attention and how can i market the movement and i know nothing about apparel and i was like let me just create some shirts, right. you know what I'm saying? That took on its own identity too, which was super cool. And I created like some shirts, you know, some little catchphrases. Uh, the most popular shirt is the 3B shirt, um, black, brilliant, billionaire in the making. Um, like, like it's a walking affirmation, but like I created those shirts. I those, see that a lot too. A lot of people, it creates a lot of conversation. And the cool thing what I love most is not seeing somebody with it, is the conversation that inherently comes from it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, this is what it's about and this is where it's from. And then they go back and it's like, okay, cool man, I can go invest some money. I thought I had to have like quarter million dollars or 10K. Like, no, you can get started for a thousand dollars, right? Or 50 bucks a month, whatever you got. Um, and so I think it being practical and then having the credibility behind it um, was something that allowed, allowed it to kind of catch fire. And in all honesty, I haven't even done uh, nearly enough in terms of like really marketing and taking it to the next level. So I'm very thankful for the support that it's gotten in the past you know, year and a half because there's so much more that we can do to expose it. Yeah. But I just really wanted to give people of color a tangible platform. It goes back to that, I wanna make $100,000, but really you just need to make 273 a day. I wanna show people you can start small and it will add up. Right. And I think that stuck with people because I have people from my high school like, you've been doing, I've been doing this for, for eight years now. You right. just now wanna invest with me? Why right. you know? I thought I had to have. And so it's been really cool. Like a lot of people, because I don't, I actually take more pride and working with somebody I know because I don't want to tarnish the relationship. And not that I would not do the same thing for anybody, but it's like, I really value relationships. And so it's like, if I know you, like I'm really going the extra mile because you ain't about to be out here throwing salt on my name. Right, right. And so when it's like people that I've known for years that have kind of watched from afar and now are getting involved, it's cool because it's like, I just really appreciate that. And I know what it means 
um, for their legacy by sowing those seeds. Because one of my favorite quotes is, we truly live in a great society when a man or woman plants a seed for a tree whose shade they'll never sit under. You know, wow. and knowing that you're making moves for your legacy. Like you're not gonna get everything, you're not gonna get it all out in your lifetime. Like everything that you, you're doing, you're not gonna get it all, fam. Like you're just not gonna get it all. Like you're building it for the next generation. So your kids or your daughter or your cousins, like, or just the world can be impacted by your legacy. I think we're seeing that at scale with uh, Nipsey Hussle, right? Like he, he probably in his wildest dreams, he probably had a very big vision, but in his wildest dreams, I, I bet he couldn't imagine the, just the outpour and engagement that he's getting after he's gone. And that's what legacy is about, right? It's like, what am I doing today that's gonna outlive me? Yeah. You know, and every, almost everything that I try to, again, thinking about that alignment, I try to make sure that most of my actions align with that. Like what is going to outlive me? And what, uh, how, how big has it grown? Yeah, so we started November 11th of 2017, and since then we've helped people invest a little over $22 million. So November 11th of 2017, this is May 25th or 20, what is it? 28th, I think. It's the end 26th? of May. Yeah. We're in the end of May. We don't know when this is going to come out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're in 2019. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, you've grown it. People have invested $22 million with you. Wow. How many people does that represent? Man, so it's, it's, I'd say it's probably about, off the top of my head, about a little over 600. Because mm -hmm. obviously you have some people that are investing a lot more, right? The thousand is just the entry point, which I knew would happen, right? Oh, can I invest more or can I roll over this 401k? Right. right? So I'd say it's about a little under 800. And what makes people trust you? Gotta ask them. Nah, no, um, right, right. nah I think. Um, and you'll, and you'll, you'll appreciate this. When you think about marketing, right, you have brand, you have advertising, right? Brand online is a representation of who you are. It, gets, it helps people get to know you. You, you do a really good job of this, of this, right? So brand, like, lets people know who you are. Advertising is I'm asking for something, right? And I'm, I paid to get in front of you. I paid to get your attention. So I think what, with me is I haven't historically done a ton of advertising. I just try to be intentional about brand in terms of, like, who I am and just showing actually, not just, like, who I am as a business, but who I, George is as, as a person. And I think through the years, even before Instagram and all that stuff was popular, I think I've done a reasonable job at that. Um, and again, people have known for years that I've been in the space. And so when I finally ask for something, i.e. the movement, hey, invest a thousand dollars, like, well, George been, been talking about this money stuff for a while. Like, let me, you know, let me see what it's about, right? And so I think just, which is why I, I really value, like, I mean, advertising is great. I think that's the science of it. I think brand is the art of it. And so I focused a lot on the art in the beginning of just showing people who I really was, having conversations, doing the old school networking um, stuff, networking no-nos, get the book. Um, and so just doing a lot of that, sowing seeds over time, right? Like having, I mean, I've been in this industry for almost a decade now, you know, right after college. And so I think the culmination of all of that online and offline um, just, you know, was a perfect storm of like, oh, well, I mean, he's asking for a thousand, but I, I trust George, right, you know? Right. I think, I, I believe that's, that's what it is. And then now I'm really about to ramp up um, the advertising piece, which is why I said I haven't even tapped into that. So if we've been able to grow to that level without the advertising, um, I can only imagine what's gonna happen. And so like, that's we're gonna cool. really make sure that we just get it out because what we're doing, you should never feel bad about advertising if what you're doing is good work, yeah. right? Like people feel sleazy about it, but you're doing good, yeah. right? You're helping people. People need to see that versus, no, not the shade room, um, but need to see that versus like some of the other st type of content that's online. So I even had to get out of get out of my own way in that regard. And it's like it's time to 
really show up on people's timelines. Not so that I, for, for vanity's sake, but so that I can expose you to something that I believe will be an entry point to transforming uh, your, your family's generational wealth. I love it, I love it. So look, man, um, we, we, we talked about a lot, man. I, I, I typically wrap up these interviews with um, the same question. I want to you know, hear your prediction of the future, right? I want to predict the future, meaning I want you to share with us where you see yourself in the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. What can you say now on this podcast yep. that if we go back five years, like yeah. five years from today, we go back five years and say, oh my gosh, George said he was going to do it. And he did look, right? Yeah. So um, so kind of share that with us. Like, yep. Where do you see yourself five years? All right, within the five year mark, um, the Melanin Million Movement will hit $100 million in assets invested um, from among people of color. Uh, within that five year mark, I will also host the, the largest um, minority-driven conference um, in for finance, right? We'll have some of the best and brightest financial speakers um, to really provide like that insight, that game that you need from all aspects, from the most practical to the really in-depth. So we'll have like, you know, different tracks. I'll get David to give me the school of the game on how to host the conference. Um, so that's my goal. I really want to have a conference. You even already had the name for it, mm. right? Should I share the name? Nah, don't yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll hold it off on the hold name. Yeah, hold it down. Um, but yeah, so we'll have that conference, um, and we're gonna at the conference we're gonna have an investathon, right? An investathon, meaning that at the conference we'll get people to invest collectively over a million dollars at the conference. Wow! At the conference. Wow! So Ooh, that's that's gonna happen going. in the in, within the next five years, and then other than that, um, uh, I will put more effort into being an authority and more outwardly, because I feel like amongst the people who are in the space, they know, right? But outwardly known as the go-to, or one of the go-to uh, financial resources for, um, for, uh, for, if you're an entrepreneur and you need an advisor, or if you want to learn about how to build wealth. Um, and just really like, when you, it's almost synonymous. Like when you think about building wealth, like my name has to come up in the top five, you know? So I'm, all roads align to that for the next five years, just like really pumping out like that that game it's like yo like you got to know that guy wow you know? this is so dope to, uh actually when that that sounds ill the invested investathon i can't wait for it to happen so that we can like play this back we can yeah. play the tapes and say yeah. yo run the receipts run the receipts man you social proof so george please share with everybody you know how they can get in touch with you um how they can be involved in the melanin movement yeah 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 absolutely so um on instagram i'm george Achimpong jr and that's A-C-H-E-A-M-P-O-N-G, Jr. Uh, all of my links to, you know, the different things I got going on in the, in the bio, so that's the best way to contact me. I'm not the bougie guy. You can DM me. I will respond, but you know it has a little request feature, so it might not be in the same day, but if I see it, I will respond, so you can D DM me. Um, and let's, let's work and let's build. As far as the movement is concerned, if you click the link in my bio or Melanin Money on Instagram, it'll take you to be able to uh, open up an account. It's very simple. We partner with the number one online investment advisory platform uh, for that sake. So you literally can open up an account in probably 15 minutes, if that. Um, so, you know, get started, get plugged in. If you got any questions about it, you know, uh, the website outlines it pretty clearly. If I'm available, I'd love to take a call. But, uh, but yeah, that's how you get plugged in. All right, cool. Appreciate you, man. Yo, listen, make sure you follow George. And not, not only just follow George, but really the things that he dropped in this podcast are necessary what you need to do with your paycheck. Like, it's not just about checking and savings. I probably have, um, I have four, I got a lot of accounts. And it kind of came from, one time one of my accounts got hacked. Yeah, yeah. 
and all my money was there. Right. And uh, one of my advisors was like, yo, you never keep all your money, money in one yeah. account. Like, I mean, I, I had a checking and a checking. There was no, <laughs> I had this one account. Like, that was it. That My checking was my savings. Yeah. My savings was my checking. And I operated everything out of that. And um, that really kind of led me on a path where you can, you know, put money different places and accumulate um, wealth that way. Yep. So um, yep. and I'm implementing some of the strategies that you just talked about. So oh. I appreciate y'all. Yo, make sure... Y'all follow George, okay? And if you ever catch him in a bowling alley, okay, put it on the gram. <laughs> I need to see, all right? You see that one? That's 170 is coming. I'm telling you, I had a rough game. Okay, that, was, still the, that was the five-year prediction, okay? One day, <laughs> I'll be able to hit a 170 in bowling. <laughs> Yo, I appreciate you, George. My God. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.